Our guest tonight has sold over 18 million albums to date. Four-time CMA Award winner for Female Vocalist of the Year and three times for pretty much the same honor at the ACMs. She's my favorite female vocalist of all time. It's an absolute honor and privilege to be joined by Martina McBride. Martina, thanks so much for doing this. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. You know, we got a lot to talk about and not a lot of time to do it. Uh, you got a new single out on the radio. We're going to get to that. Of course, we're going to talk about some of the big hits from over the years. But I also want our listeners to have a chance to just get to know you a little bit, too, if that's okay. Okay. So we should begin then where it all started for you. You were born right here in the Midwest, Sharon, Kansas. Is that right? That's right. It's a tiny town. Less than 200 people is the population today, probably even fewer than that when you were growing up there. What was it about your upbringing that ultimately led you down this path of country music superstardom? Well, I grew up in Kansas, as you said. My dad uh, was a farmer and also had a country band as a hobby. And so I started singing when I was about four years old and singing in the band when I was about seven. And, you know, just always wanted to do this from the time I was I guess as long as I can remember, actually. And uh, so moved to Nashville in 1990 and got a record deal in 1991 and, um, you know, have been doing it ever since. So no surprise, a big family influence. How about musical influences outside of your family? Who did you grow up listening to that kind of inspired you? Yeah, I think my, probably my biggest influence was Linda Ronstadt. I listened to her every day, pretty much for, um, you know, during high school and really tried to emulate her and, and, I always say, you know, we, d- we really didn't have music teachers or vocal teachers. It was a very rural, small area. Um, but she, singing along with those records really taught me a lot. Yeah, I have so much respect for her. Just one of the greats of her genre. Another one of the best voices of all time. And I guess it wasn't long after you got to Nashville that you started working with one of the greats in the country music genre in Garth Brooks. You can probably help me fill in the details because I'm kind of foggy on how it all worked out. But you started working for him, like selling merchandise on his tour, right? Well, my husband was his production manager. And so I got a job on the road selling T-shirts so that I could be with my husband. We'd just been married about a year. And, um, yeah, so that's how that came about. I did that while I was trying to get a record deal. Yeah, not a bad spot to land. And your relationship with Garth and how he kind of helped you get started is is a whole nother conversation, which I wish we had time to get into. And he wasn't as big of a star at that time as he would end up becoming. He was still kind of one of the new kids on the block. And it wouldn't be long after that that you started having some radio success and you came in with a strong class of women that really set the tone for the 90s as being one of the strongest, if not the strongest, decades for women in country music. Oh, well, yeah, Faith, um, Leanne Womack. Um, Sarah Evans, uh, gosh, who else? We had so many, uh, Jody Messina, Jamie O'Neill, you know, it was just, uh, it was a really special time for women in country music for sure. And I've had this conversation with several of those ladies who have come on this show and we've talked about how, you know, you came in and you weren't afraid to push the envelope or stretch those boundaries of what people thought a woman should sing about in country music. And really you specifically, and some of the songs that you chose, I thought led that charge. Did you plan on that coming in or was that something that just happened organically? Not really, but, you know, I've always just made records that I, I've always been pretty experimental in the studio and uh, with production. And, and I still go back and listen to my old records and I feel like, you know, there's, not only were they different for the time, but they're still very unique. You know, um, they don't really sound like anybody else's records because then that's the thing about, I think one thing, you know, the female artists do really well is 
they really have a sense of who they are. They know themselves and their identity and what they want to say, how they want to change the world with their music and who they want to speak to. And, and um, so usually uh, I feel like as women, our, you know, my, my music sounded different from Faith's music and Faith's music sounded different from Winona's music and Winona's music sounded different from Leanne Womack. So, you know, I feel like we all had our own identity with our music in the studio. And when you talk about stretching those boundaries and being a pioneer for women to take that next step with their music, you can really look at a number of your songs as an example of that. But probably the greatest example was Independence Day in 1994. Surprisingly, it didn't get inside the top 10. I look back at the chart and I can't believe it, but I'm guessing because of the content of the song, there were probably some radio stations that weren't playing it, but it sure sold. And then after the song comes out and is so successful and popular among country music fans, you'd end up releasing several more songs over the course of your career that were similar in nature. So was Independence Day the song that kind of started all that for you? That trend of putting out songs that spoke out against domestic violence or spoke on the importance of female empowerment. Yeah, it was. It definitely changed my career, but also changed me as a person, you know, made me more aware of the problem of domestic violence. And, you know, I went on to do a lot of things to try to help that and still do. Um, I was the spokesperson for the National Network to End Domestic Violence and the, uh, did some work for the Domestic Violence Hotline. So, um, yeah, it definitely changed my life. So how did you come to record Independence Day? And then when you heard it for the first time, did you know that, yeah, this is going to be my song? Yeah, I knew immediately. Um, my producer at the time, Paul Worley, played it for me. And I just knew immediately that it was something that I wanted to sing and that there was somebody out there that needed to hear it. And perhaps you can shed some light on this because I had heard that Reba McIntyre had actually turned that song down before you got a chance to record it. And that might be her story to tell, but were you aware of that? And do you know the story behind Reba turning down Independence Day? I don't. And, you know, I've never I've never asked her about that. I need Next time I see her, I need to ask <laughs> her about that story because I've heard the same thing. How was she ever able to get by after that? Poor thing. I suppose she can dry her eyes with her millions upon millions of dollars. Do you look at Independence Day, Martina, as your favorite song that you've ever recorded? And if not, what is? That's really hard to pick. You know, it's like, who's your favorite kid? Kind of. (laughs) It's like, um, I mean, I love, you know, Broken Wing. This one's for the girls, you know, but some of my favorite cuts actually are album cuts that never were singles. And uh, one of my favorites is a song called From the Ashes. That is a really good song. That's uh, that's on the Emotions album, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is a great song. If you haven't heard it, pick up the Emotions album, listen to that one. You'll see why it's Martina's favorite. Now, I want to go back and talk about your breakthrough single, and I want to note that there's a difference between breakthrough single and debut single. Your debut single was a song called The Time Has Come. That was out back in 1992, and it did well, you know, a top 25 hit. But then I look at My Baby Loves Me, which was actually your fourth release. It came out in 1993, and it got all the way up to number two. So which one is technically your breakthrough single? Um, Definitely My Baby Loves Me. And then we were able to have Independence Day, which I think was really, you know, was the first time I got to perform on the CMA Awards. And I think that was uh, still to this day probably my career song. Yeah, you had three in a row right there. My Baby Loves Me, Life Number 9, which is also a really good song. And then, yeah, Independence Day. All three off of that sophomore album, The Way That I Am. Speaking of the CMAs, you won four Female Vocalists of the Year awards. You also won three ACM awards for the same thing. Your first CMA was for the music video for Independence Day, which you won in 1994. 
Then your first female vocalist win came in 1999, also at the CMAs. To win once, I'm sure, is a dream come true. But to keep on winning, how'd that feel? Yeah, it was like I felt like Cinderella. You know, I felt like <laughs> we'd all worked really, really hard for for that moment. And um, so I was proud of my team and my everybody that, you know, worked hard for that to happen. And it was, it was I've been watching the CMA Awards since I was a little girl. We would all get in the living room and watch it together. And so it was, it was kind of surreal getting to walk up those steps. And, and, and you know, I felt like... I had been accepted by the industry, and it was great. It, you know, it was, it was magical. So from your first CMA to your first number one hit, Wild Angels, the title track to your 1995 album. That was a lot of fun to record. I mean, I still love that song, too. And, um, you know, I found that song. I found Wild Angels and I think Life Number 9 on the same day. And back then, we, when I still do, we used to listen to, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs for each album. And... We just had the cassette tapes in a stack, and we called it our stack of songs. And we just didn't listen until we couldn't listen anymore. And, you know, a lot of songs weren't very good, and a lot of songs were good, but just weren't right for me. And then so it was a, quite a process. And then you find two great songs in one day, and it was, it was really, you know, we felt really good about both of those. Now, I mentioned, Martina, that you're my favorite female vocalist of all time, and the reason for it was because of this next song that I want to ask you about, A Broken Wing from 1997 to me is one of the great vocal performances that I have ever heard. And not to mention the song is just amazing. It's my favorite song of yours. And you just said it was among your favorites too. Can you actually put into words what that song has meant to your career? Oh yeah. It's definitely one of my favorites. You know, I feel like it was, um, it's just soulful and really spoke to a lot of women, um, especially and, you know, I love, I love, I still love singing that song. It's just, it's, it's so much fun to sing and it's, it's so powerful. Your vocal on that last note cannot be beat, possibly matched. I'll give Carrie Underwood credit because she's come the closest, but to me, your voice on that song, there's just nothing better. Who are some of the vocalists that you consider as among the best? Um, Pat Benatar was a big influence on me when I was, a kid, when I was in high school. Um, I always loved Ricky Lee Jones. You know, I always loved Faith. Faith is one of my favorite singers, Faith Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just, you know, off the top of my head, those are the first three that come to mind. And with you, what blows my mind is you didn't have a vocal coach. That's just natural talent. I didn't. Um, as I said, we didn't really have that option in Sharon, Kansas. But <laughs> uh, so I really just learned a lot from, from just singing live with my dad's band and also singing along with records. Well, we all got a little more time on our hands to do some of that. That's singing along to records these days because everybody's under quarantine. There's just not much to do. That said, you have a very successful podcast that you host. It's called Vocal Point. But what else? What else you got going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to, you know, we're working to kick that back up again uh, now that we can kind of see people distance in person. And, um, you know, I'm working on another cookbook. I have two cookbooks out. So that's been a great fun thing to do and yeah so and then the new single we have the new single out girls like me yeah and that leads me to my next question girls like me it's out on radio right now we've been playing it here on on k103 and kind of an interesting way that that you got this song you actually went on reality tv the show songland i watched the episode it was a great episode and uh i that was the, the song you picked i guess yeah i knew pretty much from the first that that was the, the song that i wanted to record and 
you know, we were able to rework the lyrics a little bit so it fit me better. And, and you know, Songland was such a great experience. I mean, I love the fact that they're really mentoring new songwriters and young songwriters and, and uh, giving them an opportunity to get heard. And, and so, you know, it was a win-win for me. I got a great song out of it, and I got to help a young songwriter uh, get her first cut. It's a really awesome idea for a show, kind of like American Idol or The Voice for songwriters, like you said, to showcase them. But what was it about the song specifically that, that stood out to you? Well, I just love the fact that it talks about how common we all are. You know, we, we have some of the same struggles and heartache and insecurities, and um, we all make mistakes. And, you know, it's just really talking about the fact that I've been there too, and it's going to be okay. And what pretty much what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, as the old saying goes. Martina McBride, her new single is called Girls Like Me. It's a good one, too. We're going to play it to close out our interview. Martina, I think we covered some good topics in our just over 13 minutes together. I really appreciate you spending some time. I know you got several other interviews to get to today, but it means the world that you took some time to talk to me. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.